Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. So I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled uh, Grow, Becoming the Person God Meant for You to Be, Becoming the Christian God Meant for Us to Be. We have to grow into that. It doesn't happen automatically. You just, you don't get saved and just immediately become super Christian because here's what you know. God has a vision for you that's bigger than your vision for yourself, but that's not going to happen automatically. There's no haphazard way to grow. There's certain steps that you have to take to grow. Now in the Christian life, we call those spiritual disciplines because it takes a a disciplined approach to growing in your walk with God. And so we're looking at those as we go through our 21-day devotion and as we go through this sermon series. They're all tied around the same subjects. And so I'm preaching through those even as we're reading through those during the day. And so first sermon I preached, grow up, it's just kind of a general sermon. Then read up, we talked about reading your Bible, and then pray up. We, last week we talked about prayer. And this week in Acts chapter 2, I want to talk about this subject, church up. We're going to talk about church. Gallup tracks church attendance. And they track it by asking people, uh, do you go to church? Which, you know... People aren't always as honest as you would hope they would be, but there's no other way to track it. Uh, Southern Baptists have about 50,000 churches in, in North America, and we have about 30,000 of, 30-something thousand of those that report numbers. The rest don't, and so it's even hard for us to get an accurate picture sometimes of who we really are, but other denominations are even worse. Some don't even report, and so uh, there's no really way to track it other than that. So Gallup's tracking of do you regularly attend church, is on the decline. In the last 10 years, that has declined from 42% to around 37%. However, researchers argue that the real number of Americans that go to church is somewhere around 20% on a regular basis. The reason we report higher is something called the halo effect. That is, when a researcher asks you questions about your goodness, we think we're gooder than we really are. So you ask a serial killer, are you a good person? And he says, yes, because this halo effect. In truth, we think about 20% of Americans are in church on any given Sunday or are regular attenders to church. As a matter of fact, even how we define a regular attender has changed. 20 years ago, a regular attender was defined as someone who went to church how many times per week? Three. Three. Y'all remember those days? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Researchers have changed the way they define regular attender in this culture. Now a regular attender is defined as someone who goes to church three times a month. Now listen, that's not how God defines it. That's how Gallup defines it. So be be careful there. Reminds me of the old fella. He was a a supply preacher in a a church in Texas. And uh, the church didn't have a pastor. He was kind of interim. He'd, he'd been there for a while, and he was, had to drive several hours into the church. So he's on his way into the church one Sunday morning. It was really early. 
He didn't want to get there that early, so he stopped by the local donut shop, and he got him a coffee and a donut, and he was sitting there looking over his notes in his Bible. There's this elderly man over there kind of across the room. There wasn't anybody else in the, in the donut shop, and the elderly man said, hey, fella, what are you, some kind of preacher or something? He says, as a matter of fact, I am. I am the, I, I'm the pastor at the First Baptist Church here in town, and the man's eyes lit up. He said, oh, that is a great. I'm a member at the First Baptist Church. When the preacher got a little puzzled look, and he said, well, Hey, fella, I've been there three months, and I've not seen you one time. The guy said, preacher, I said I was a member. I didn't say I was fanatical about it or anything. <laughs> We've long left the days where we are fanatical about the church. We have long left the days that, that we are going overboard about church. We, we view church, get this, as an extracurricular activity instead of an integral part of our walk with God. We now view church like we do a hobby, like we do a golf game, like we do a sporting event. It's one of those things, if it works into my schedule, okay, I'll go. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to worry about it. And church has become an extracurricular activity. But I want to caution you about thinking that way. God never intended in our hearts and minds for a believer for church to become an extracurricular activity. Let me show you what God says about the church, Acts chapter 20. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and all the flock. Now, he's talking about in this sermon, he's talking to pastors. He's talking to those who are over the flock. And he's telling me as a pastor that, hey, you're responsible for the flock of God. It's your job to guide the flock and guard the flock and feed the flock. That is my job. I am the shepherd. You are the sheep. That's the role God has called me to do too. So he's talking about in Acts chapter 20. And he's saying to the apostles, he's saying, take heed to yourselves and all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God, notice this next phrase, it's so important, which he purchased with his own, say it with me, blood. Blood. Can I say before you view church as an extracurricular activity that you'll work in your schedule if you have time for it, you need to be careful because the Bible is very plain that the church is here today. The institution of the local church, and almost always in the Bible, when it's speaking of church, it is speaking of a local church. There's maybe one or two places where it's not. Every other place, the church is a local church. And the Bible is telling us that Jesus loves the church so much, he loved the church so much, that he purchased it with his own, say with me, blood. It's not all he says. Ephesians chapter 5, that, that passage on marriage. And he's relating a husband-wife relationship to the Christ-church relationship. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Before you view church as just some kind of extracurricular activity, I want to caution you. Jesus died for the church. Jesus gave his blood for Peavine Church so we could meet here today, so we could be around the word of God, so we could fellowship, so we could impact our community for Christ. Don't think about church as an extracurricular activity. Jesus died for it. And I know what you're thinking. You say, come on, man. A preacher preaching a sermon on come to church is like a baker saying you need to eat more bread, right? It's like the butcher telling you to do a low-carb diet. It's like a painter saying your roof needs painted. Or it's like a car salesman saying, I hear noise, you need a new car. No, it's not the same. Jesus died for the church. And he places a high value on, it, on the church. He places a high value on its growth. 
He places a high value on its activities. He places a high value on its health. He loved the church so much, he died for the church. And he tells us in Acts chapter 2 that the least we can do is love the church, be faithful to the church, engage the mission of the church just like the first church was doing. So would you take your Bibles and stand with me in honor of reading God's Word? And let's look in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 40. And if you don't have your Bible, you can look on a digital device or up here on the screen, even I've got it. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Right after you get saved, the first thing the Bible always says do is be baptized. That day about 3,000 souls were added to to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Thank you, you may be seated. So let me catch up where we are. We're we're in the book of Acts, we're after the Gospels. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He has risen again. He's been seen by hundreds of people and now he's ascended up on high and he has given uh, the church its mission. Acts 1.8, go in all the world and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the other most parts of the world. And so the church has received its marching orders. And of all the thousands of people that follow Jesus, the church is now about 120 people. And the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem is meeting in a little upper room and they've started their, their search, they've planted their church. And, and this little church plan is meeting about 120 of them and they're praying on a regular basis. Then something happened called Pentecost. It was during the feast the Jews had. And the Bible says in Acts chapter number two that the Spirit of God descended on them. And man, the Spirit of God came in a mighty way. And so they left the upper room and they went down into the temple, which is kind of where the religious people hung out. And they went out in the outer court and they decided this little church plant just to have a public worship service. And so they sang and somebody threw down on the drums and a guitar and they just had a worship service. And Peter said, well, I'm going to get up and preach. And Peter got up and preached. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard a preacher's very first sermon? Let me see your hand. I heard mine. How many of you wish you had never heard a preacher's very first sermon? Let me see your hand. Right, I, that's, that's me. Peter gets up and preaches his first sermon, but it's no ordinary sermon. The Spirit of God has descended upon the place, and the Bible says that 3,000 souls came to faith in Jesus Christ. And now this church that was run 120 is now running 3,120 after one church service. It's not done. They had thousands and thousands of more later on. But now this little church plant, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, has exploded on the scene. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, is where we see what's going on in the church. And here's what we get. We get an accurate picture of what a member of a growing, vibrant, exciting, evangelistic church ought to look like. Verses 40 through 47 is a little bit of a snapshot of how we at Peavine ought to feel and act and do about our church. So can I tell you three things, and there's more, but let me give you three things I see in this passage 
that'll help us church up and help us grow up and help us to be the member God wants us to be. Number one is this. If you're going to church up, number one, you have to carve out time for church. You have to carve out time for church. Now, now, now let's, let me show you the Bible verses. Verse 46. So continuing, say that underlined word with me right there. So continuing daily. Hold on. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. How often? Daily. Those who are being saved. Daily. Now hold on before you get hung up on the word daily, all right? The command, we never have a command by God to meet daily. Here's what's happening in that place. Man, they had church on Sunday. God saved 3,000. Guess what? I'm going back on Monday. Like if God saved 3,000 people Sunday, I want to see what's happening on Monday. And God saved more on Monday. And it went back on Tuesday. And it just broke into daily. Nowhere in scripture are we commanded to meet daily, but we are commanded to meet regularly. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews tell, tell, tells us. Just don't neglect the meeting together. So let's throw the word daily out of our vocabulary before I uh, scare you. And let's talk about regularly. And here's what they did on a regular basis. They did it daily. Let's talk about regularly. Daily, they met in church and they carved out time to hear the preaching of the word of God. Again, I know what you're saying. Well, you're a preacher. You tell us here. Pre- I, I get it. I get it. But I, 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 when I wasn't a pastor, I, I did it. I, I was where you were. I, I did it too. And they said it's too important for our Christian life. Listen, the Bible talks over and over again about the importance of preaching in your life. How most people come to faith in Christ through preaching. Not all, of course, but most do. And they said the word of God's important enough to us that we need to hear the word of God preached. We're told that they, they carved that time for fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. It means to share together. It means to uh, build relationship together is a great way to put it. They didn't just come to church to hear preaching. They came to church to build intimate relationships with one another. They came to church. It's in the Bible. They came to church to eat. Right, say amen right there. Right? If you're going to say amen anywhere, say amen right there. Eat. Came to church to pray. Uh, they came to church to worship, and they just didn't say worship. It said praising God, man. They got into their worship, and here's what they did. It was a spiritual discipline that they carved out time to strengthen their church by strengthening their own walk with God. Now, when it comes to this spiritual discipline of church, you have to do the same thing in your life. Here's what you have to do. You have to make church a priority. We have to make church a priority. You have to set aside that time when a church that regularly regularly meets and say, I'm going to make that regular meeting of the church a priority in my life. And I know, I know, I know, I know before you say it, I know what I hear it coming. We preachers are used to it. You say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you're absolutely right. I can worship God anywhere. You're absolutely right. Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? No, no. You just have to go to church to be a good Christian. Because Jesus died for the church. 
You can't ignore the thing he loved enough to give his life for and to die for and to shed his blood for and think you can be a good Christian. A Christian without a church is foreign to the Bible. You say, I can worship God anywhere. Yes, you can, but you don't. So I'm worshiping him on the lake when I'm fishing on Sunday. You can. But you didn't take a guitar out there with you to sing praises to God, did you? You didn't carry a preacher out there so you could hear the word of God preached, did you? No, you fished. Let's not kid ourselves. You swam. You didn't worship God anywhere. Why? The primary place of worship of the Lord is in the house of God. Now, lest you think I'm fanatical. I'm not saying you can't ever miss. The Bible never says you can't miss. The Bible never says you can't take a vacation. Oh, by all means, you take a vacation. But here's the culture in which we are. Missing church should be the exception, not the rule. Going to church should be the rule, not the exception. And in our culture today, we've so gotten those reversed. Last Sunday, I preached and I, I flew out to, uh, I got up Monday morning and I had to fly out to Detroit. Caught a seven o'clock airplane and flew to Detroit and I had to do some business there. And the same day, I had to fly over to Richmond, Virginia uh, that night. And I was there a couple of days uh, doing some work with churches and just doing some things. And the guy that went with me uh, from Atlanta, every, when, we, when we go sometimes, he's a foodie. He likes to find, and I'm not opposed to it, he likes to find places for us to eat that are kind of popular and famous. And they're almost always a little hole in the wall. And uh, uh, we, we found this restaurant, and it was called Buzz and Ned's. And it's this famous barbecue restaurant in downtown Richmond that Bobby Flay has been there and the owner of Buzz and Ned's has won awards for his barbecue and listen it's a little bitty hole in wall I mean there's probably six seven tables in there at the most and and there's a little sign up that says you know something like barbecue's a slow process don't complain it's going to take a while and so I mean we were excited about it but here's the problem I have I have been on a diet since January the 2nd I've lost some weight and not one of you have said anything about it <laughs> at all. My feelings have been a little hurt. I mean, I'll lie to you. This, the whole point of the sermon is this part right here. I mean, come on, man. Somebody lose 10 pounds, somebody will say something to them, right? So I've been doing Weight Watchers, if you care. I've been doing Weight Watchers and I've been counting those points. And if you pull out that app and uh, you look at, Buzz and Ned's is famous for uh, ribs. If you look up barbecue ribs on uh, Weight Watchers app, a half rack, your phone fries and shuts off when you do that. Like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in Richmond much, uh, and, and I said, uh, well, Greg, I, I'm trying to lose some weight, but here's what I do. I'm going to order healthy sides. And not eat those, but I'm going to order a half a slab of ribs. And I ordered a half rack of ribs, and I, I won't balance these. Some of the best ribs you ever ate in your life. It was so good. But I immediately started feeling guilty after I'd sucked the marrow out of the ribs. And 
I mean, no, it was a happy guilty, I know, but uh, it, was, uh, it was so good. And started feeling bad, and, and we went on that night, and it was time for dinner. And I, I said to Greg, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to skip dinner tonight. I still got ribs up to here. I'm going to skip dinner tonight. And I did. I know, I know, before you say it, I don't look like I need to skip dinner. I know, I know, but don't say it. You embarrass, embarrass me, but I skipped dinner. Now, in my house, if I skip dinner, Sherry's prone to call, dial 911. <laughs> Lord, he's dying. Get somebody get over here in a hurry. Because skipping dinner is not the norm. The norm is for me to eat every meal, and it's a rare case, like a half rack of ribs case, for me to skip dinner. If the opposite were true, if I rarely ate, and it was the exception for me to ever eat a meal, I'd be sickly. I'd be at the doctor. May not even be here because we all have to eat. Not eating is the exception. I mean, I could say the same thing about taking a bath. You could probably skip a shower. But you skip two. And the old wife or husband's going to be asking you what's going on. Probably skip. You could probably, I don't know how many times a day you brush your teeth. You could skip a day brushing your teeth in all probability. But if brushing your teeth were the exception... You're going to be good friends with the dentist. Why? Taking a bath is the priority. Missing it is the exception. Brushing your teeth is the priority. Missing it. Saying, I'm, not, I'm not comparing going to church to something so trivial, but you get the point. Your kids ought to nearly faint if you're going to miss church. But if on Saturday night you say to the kids, I think we're going to church tomorrow... And your kids say, is it Christmas already? <laughs> you may have a problem. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Researchers, I just ran across this research. Man, this is mind-blowing to me. Researchers tell us that 20 years ago, when 10 people joined your church, your average attendance increased by 8 or 9. Follow me on that. Ten people join your church, your average attendance would increase by eight or nine per week. Today, when ten people join your church, your attendance increases by five or six. Because we're only coming about half the time. And people are, we, we are losing our spiritual vitality because we're not faithful to church. The studies show the average church member comes to church 1.7 times per month. Can I tell you something? We can't win the world to Jesus coming to church 1.7 times a month. So get faithful to church. Find a small group to get involved in. Carve out the time. Say no to the things that take you away from church. Listen, I want to issue a challenge today. Let me issue a challenge. See how many times you can come to church in a row without missing. And the number should be greater than two. Make it a spiritual discipline. 
that you're going to say no to the things that take you away from church and say yes to church and try to come three months in a row and just see what God does in your heart in your life. Number one, they carved out time from church. Let me tell you the second thing. That is, if you want to church up, don't be a spectator, be a participant. Acts chapter 42 said they devoted themselves. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 45 said they sold their possessions and good and gave them as an offering. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 said the Lord was adding to the church people every day, those who were being saved. Here is something that is abundantly clear in those eight verses. The first Church members were not nominal attenders. They bought in to the mission of the church. The Bible says they were devoted, faithful to the cause of Christ. The Bible said they were invested financially into the life of the church. They were meeting the needs of others, and they told others about Jesus. Here's what's interesting. Look in verse 47 in your Bible. It says that the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. There are some people that will, I've heard sermons talk about, and the Lord was supernaturally saving people. No, everybody getting saved is supernatural. But here's what was happening. They were so bought into the mission of Acts 1-8, they were out telling people about church and bringing in lost people, and they were out telling people about Jesus. And the Bible just makes a statement. The Lord was growing the church because so many people were getting saved. They didn't just have the spiritual discipline of attending. They had the spiritual discipline of investing in the church. And they viewed the church as an eternal investment. Now get this. If you really want to love Jesus, you won't just attend the church. You'll invest in the church. Why? It's one thing to be a spectator. It's a whole nother thing to be a participant. Nick, Super Bowl is upon us. Patriots and the Rams. When I say Patriots, you say boo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It should have been the Patriots and the Saints, and the Saints got cheated. Who cares? Right? Like, I, because I, I don't like the Saints either. Drew Brees is a nice guy, and just, I don't like. If you're a Falcons fan, you can't like the New Orleans. That's just not allowed. By God. And so um, <laughs> it's Patriots versus the Rams next week. And uh, I, this is not even part of the illustration, but both teams have a UGA running back as their starter. I mean, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but obviously it does. And uh, uh, there are more University of Georgia football players on these two teams' roster than any other college football team. Did you know that? The only team tied with us is Rutgers, and nobody cares about Rutgers, but so we have more than any other team. More than any, we're double the amount of any other SEC team, University of Georgia. So you want to play in the NFL, go to University of Georgia. Anyway, I can get digressed because all the Alabama people are getting angry, but um, I'll probably watch the game. I'll watch the game next week, Lord willing. Uh, I'll watch the game. I like the Super Bowl, but... um, uh, I'm not invested in the game. Matter of fact, my wife will cook wings for me. I have this special Super Bowl wing recipe she cooks for me. She cooks it twice a year because I like butter and there's a lot of butter in this wing recipe. And so, as my shirt indicates. And so, uh, I, I'm excited about the wings as I'm Super Bowl, but it's because I'm a spectator, not a participant. As a matter of fact, the Saints are not in the Super Bowl, but when they started the playoffs, their coach, Sean Payton, wheeled this out into their first practice. That is a Super Bowl ring in there somewhere, Super Bowl trophy, and that is $250,000 in cold, hard cash. Here's what he said. He said, if 
if we win the Super Bowl, I think it was three games they had to win. If we win the Super Bowl, we go to the Super Bowl either, even, uh, win, you'll get a trophy, you'll get a ring, and here's the average player's bonus if you win the Super Bowl. He went to the bank and he withdrew $250,000 in cash. I would have drawn it out of my bank account, but he went ahead and did it, or I would have let him do it. But Now, can I say this to you? They cared a little more about the Super Bowl than I did. Why? Because they were participants with that on the line. I'm just a spectator. Spectators and participants aren't equally devoted to the cause. And I want to say to you that it's, it's time the average church member moved the needle in your walk with God and decided not to be a spectator, but just to be a, a, a participant as well, that you're going to get involved because you have eternity at stake. In the Bible, they're very plain that God doesn't want them, that first church in Acts, they didn't, just didn't come to church. They were devoted and faithful to the church. They invested financially and generously in the church. They met the needs of others. On and on it went. They, they, they told others about Jesus. They invited others. And you'll be moving from the sidelines to get in the game. I mean, can I say this? We are glad you're in the stadium. But we want you on the field. Not just a spectator, but a participant. Here's the third thing we learned for those first church members in the book of Acts. And that is be a cheerleader, not a critic. These verses are so good. We've looked at them, but let me emphasize another part. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, joy, and simplicity of heart. I love this. Praising God. And having favor with all the people. That's all the people who are not in the church. And the Lord added the church daily, those who are being saved. I don't think those two phrases uh, are, are, are together coincidentally. That they were excited while they were in the church. They were excited when they were out of the church about the church. And the Lord added daily people who were being saved. One commentator said this about the early church. I love this phrase. They were an attractive church. That the members at the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem were unusually happy. They were simple in their approach. They worshiped enthusiastically and people on the outside took notice of how much the people on the inside loved their church. They were overwhelmingly positive about what was God, God was doing in the church. Can I say this to you? I, I get to sit in a national chair for the Southern Baptist Convention. And can I say this to you? That one reason churches aren't growing today is that they are full of critics instead of cheerleaders. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm not asking you to be a cheerleader because Peavine does everything right. We don't do everything right. We mess up. I'm going to mess up. The choir's going to mess up. The staff's going to mess up. The sound's going to say Something's going to go wrong every Sunday. Something. We're going to make bad decisions. We are humans, just like you're humans. And by the way, if you, can I say this? If you were in charge, you'd mess up too. Right? You don't cheerlead for your church because it does everything right. You're a cheerleader for your church because Jesus died for the church. 
And there's a little scientific psychological theory that says this. Actions determine feelings. Actions. Now follow me on that. Actions determine feelings. We think about it the other way. We think, well, I feel it, then I do it. That's not true. Uh, Science tells us you do it, then you'll feel it. They discovered this principle in 1971. The University of Stanford did a study where they took a whole bunch of undergraduate students and they said, half of you are going to play the role of a prisoner and half of you are going to play the role of prison guards. And they took all those students and they built a mock prison in the basement of a building and they put the, the acting prison guards in the basement and they put the acting prisoners in the basement and they said, all right, y'all do your thing. Some of you act like guards, some of you act like prisoners. We're going to monitor you. And they really wanted it to go on for weeks. And within a few short days, the prisoners became depressed, withdrawn. They're just acting prisoners, not real prisoners. The prison guards became abusive and would openly humiliate the prisoners. As a matter of fact, it got so bad that six days after it started, they had to shut it down because they were afraid the prisoners, people acting as prisoners, would not recover because they were acting the part and it was creating the feelings. Same Research Project talked about this. Have you ever noticed how many Hollywood actors, when a man plays a leading man and a woman plays a leading woman, both are married to other people, they wind up divorced and marrying each other. And by the way, it never lasts. Do you know why they get married so often? Science is telling us because he's playing the part of someone who loves her and she's playing the part of someone who loves him and you do that day after day and week after week and month after month and sometimes for a year and before you know it they've acted themselves into loving one another because actions determine feelings do you know why most people are not more faithful to the church because they've acted themselves into becoming a critic of the church you know, this, by the way, if you're wondering, this is a Bible principle too. You know, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. And we, we all, I've heard preachers preach sermon that get your heart right with God and your treasure will follow. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, put your treasure where it ought to go and your heart always follows. Actions always precede feelings. You're having marital trouble? Hold another sermon, man. I preach on this forever. Having married trouble? Act like you love each other. You say, well, shouldn't we love each other? You will. Just pretend as long as as it takes. If you pretend long enough, you'll actually start loving them one day. Pretend like you love your kids, man. Before you know it, you'll wake up one day and you'll love those kids. Because actions determine feelings. You don't wait till you feel it and then do it. You do it and then wait for you to feel it. Always true. It's always true. And the reason some people aren't cheerleader for the church is because they're acting like a critic. Can I tell you this? Be a cheerleader for church even when you don't like everything. When the choir hits a bad note, cheer them on. When the preacher preaches a bad sermon, if that ever happens, cheer him on. (laughs) 
Something goes wrong in the service, cheer them on. If the sound doesn't work, tell the guys they did a good job anyway. Cheer on the mission of the church. Be a cheerleader for your church. Listen to me, it's time to church up. And can I tell you, I've been in churches, I've preached in dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches around the nation. Can I tell you, I can walk into a church and feel the critics dominate. You feel the tension. Go out to lunch with the pastor afterwards, and I said, hey, man, what's going on at your church? He said, it's, everything's good. I said, come on, man, what's going on at your church? He said, well, you may think something's going on. He said, I opened the door. <laughs> I walked in. He said, well, now that you ask, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, no joke, man. Then I've been in churches where you can tell the majority of people in the church were a cheerleader, and I tell you this, it is like a, uh, man, it is like a breath of fresh air. Hey, the whole staff was out to eat back in November. We were at a restaurant. Denny, I just now remember this. We were at a restaurant, and we were all whipping out invite cards, and Denny got an invite card, and he asked the waitress. He was like, hey, let me invite you to church. And she was like, hey, glory to God, I go to church. Let me tell you about my church. And like, it was, I mean, like, literally, she about pulled pom-poms out of her pocket. I mean, it was... <laughs> We're like, may your tribe increase. God bless you. I mean, like, yeah, where's your church? I may go to it. I mean, she was excited about her church. You can tell. You can tell. Don't be a critic. Their their overabounding joy about their church caused, caused others to want to come in and see what God was doing. Would you stand with me? Close your Bibles and just stand with me and look this way. Hey, look this way. I was in a church this week, uh, another state, and I was talking to the pastor. And I said, Pastor, hey, how's it? Tell me, tell me about your church. I always ask pastor because there's so many issues, and I try to help and see if I can connect them with somebody that can help them or just help them myself. And I said, hey, how's church going? He says, fine. I said, I, really? I mean, I can tell where he said it. Maybe something's up. And he said, well, preacher, I'll just, I'll just tell you. And uh, the people with me kind of walked off because it, it got serious in a hurry. And this church runs a thousand. They'd lost three or four hundred members in the last few months. And he had some immorality in the church, and that hurt. They had a staff member who the rest of the staff would tell you was a problem, and they needed him gone. And uh, so the pastor was forced to let him go. He had he he fired him. With calls, there were so, I mean, they had documentation. The guy was a disaster. They let, I can't tell you, but he was, he was a mess. They let him go. He went a couple miles down the road and started a church, and 300 people left and went with him. Now, this pastor, if he had stood up in the pulpit and told everybody what he knew, not one person would have went with that guy. But because he has integrity... And knows that that guy has a family is not going to do it. But yet the guy that left is running that church in the ground. He said, here's where we're at. He said, uh, our name is ruined in the community for no reason. We didn't do anything wrong. And I'll give you more details, but I I just can't. For no reason, our our names are in the community. People are talking bad about our church. It's so bad. it's It's been almost a year ago, nine months, I think he said. My wife's crying herself to sleep. Last night, I held her while she cried herself to sleep. She won't go to Walmart. She's afraid she'll run into a member who will verbally attack her while she's in Walmart. And he said, I don't know that I'll 
stay in ministry. All because a church turned into a critic. They didn't even know the whole story. If they'd known the whole story, they would never have done it. And can I tell you, sometimes churches can't tell the whole story. That doesn't mean the preacher's always right. Do not hear me. It never means, Lord, no, I make mistakes. Our staff will make a mistake. Give us a little bit of grace, would you? Just a little bit of grace. If we make a mistake, it's not because we're trying. It's because our heart's in the right place. We just made the wrong decision. We had a choice between A and B, and we said B, and we should have said A. You'd do it too sometimes. But don't be a cheerleader because you, you think everything we do is right. Be a cheerleader because Jesus died for the church. Died. Died. Now, some of you, I know, I know. Some of you are thinking, well, I was going to join now. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, that's. <laughs> hey, can I tell you? Look, can I tell you this? I, I said they say this. Everything's great, man. Everything is great. Like, I don't know of anything going on. If there's something going on, don't tell me. But I really, as a pastor, I, I don't want to know it. Like, I, I, I let, let me live my little bubble, okay? But I, I'm going to tell you this. As a pastor, I firmly believe in preventative medicine when it comes to this. Hey, let's be cheerleaders. The world is dying and going to hell. Let's not be critical about things that don't matter for eternity, Right? We don't agree on everything, but we're agreeing the main thing, and that's what? There is a heaven and there is a hell, and unless you know Jesus, you're going to hell. That's cut and dry. Carve out time for the church. Just do it, man. Just make church priority. Make church priority. And get invested. Don't just be, don't be, we're glad you're in the stadium, man. We're glad you're in the stadium. We are. Do you know this year, so far in 2019, we're averaging 200 more in attendance on Sunday than we were last year. 200. That's two whole churches coming extra. Keep it up, man. We're not complaining at all. We're glad you're in the stadium. Let's get you on the field. Let's bow our heads together. If you're here and you're looking for a church to join, can I tell you there is no better than this? Quit looking. You come on. Our staff is down here. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.